Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by... I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, and the people's choice. For what, exactly? Ask the people. Uh, Okay. Um, We are talking... In this season of Awesome Movie Year about the year 1994. And in this episode, we are talking about the best picture winner at the Oscars, the juggernaut, as Jason called it, Forrest Gump. Yes, Forrest Gump, Dave. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, I, I, I he think has so. not. Our producer Dave has <laughs> never heard of it. He's going to do some research on what is Forrest Gump. This is why we hired him. Uh, yeah. So Forrest Gump, yeah, a huge, not only the best picture winner, um, but also a massive box office success, which of course is not always the case with Oscar winners. Uh, it made $329 million in North America. And contrary to what I insisted in our episode on the Lion King, was in fact the highest grossing film of 1994 in North America. Victory has come to me nine episodes later, people. Yeah, I, I have wrong. been proven correct. This yes. whole podcast is a lie then. What's going on here with <laughs> yeah. that? Wait, wait a second. Well, can, can you say you were wrong again? So I, I was wrong about that, yes. That felt so good. All right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the reason we talked about The Lion King in that episode is because The Lion King was the highest grossing film worldwide. Uh, but Forrest Gump made $677 million worldwide, and it was second only to The Lion King. So it made a lot of money. But as you pointed out, <laughs> it made more money in North America than The Lion King. That, as- that it did. But of course, we would not have used it for our box office episode because that would have been redundant. Uh, we would not have. But I just wanted the audience to know yet again, I was right. You, you were, were right. That is correct. <laughs> I misread wikipedia which of course is a don't blame wikipedia no 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 the wikipedia had the correct info i'm not blaming it i'm blaming my lack of attention to what wikipedia was telling me yeah when the ai's come to kill you blame yourself bro i will um that was dark very quickly Uh, (laughs) so uh award-wise of course it won best picture at the oscars where it was nominated for 13 awards and won six of them. In addition to Best Picture, it won Best Actor for Tom Hanks, Best Director for Robert Zemeckis, Best Editing, Best Visual Effects, and Best Adapted Screenplay. It also won the equivalent of Best Picture at the Golden Globes, the Directors Guild Awards, the Producers Guild Awards, and Jason's favorite award show, the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> I uh, I do not watch the People's Choice Awards. But you are the People's Choice. I think it's because they know I've rebuked them. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, an abusive relationship that you have with the people. It's like the Groucho Marx saying, any club that wants me, you know, I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, based on, it was this was based on the novel by Winston Groom, directed by Robert Zemeckis. It's a historical epic i guess we could say um and it was very well reviewed in addition to all the awards and all the money uh siskel and ebert gave it two thumbs up and here's some stuff that roger ebert said this is not a heartwarming story about a mentally retarded man that cubbyhole is much too small and limiting for forrest gump the movie is more of a meditation 
on our times as seen through the eyes of a man who lacks cynicism and takes things for exactly what they are. Watch him carefully and you will understand why some people are criticized for being too clever by half. Forrest is clever, but just exactly enough. Uh, he also said, uh, eventually it becomes clear that between them, Forrest and Jenny, his love interest played by Robin Wright, have covered all of the landmarks of our recent cultural history and the accommodation they arrive at in the end is like a dream of reconciliation for our society. What a magical movie. So Ebert liked this one a lot. You know what I got to say is uh, reading it, I, I came across another kind of idea that matches that, which is that people of that generation who lived through the 60s and 70s, this was their nostalgia painted view back of yes. them. Like, you know, oh, look at all the good times we had. And they were able to look through, look at back at everything. Um, even protesting wars as like, you know, the good fun that we had. Forrest Gump kind of uh, was that kind of generation that uh, forgot their soul. <laughs> yes. And I think that is very true. And that is an idea that has come up more over time, but even at the time. And uh, I think the, the other reviews that uh, I'm going to mention here get to that a little bit. Uh, Todd McCarthy in Variety said, uh, called this, uh, a picaresque story of a simpleton's charmed odyssey through 30 years of tumultuous American history, Forrest Gump is whimsy with a strong cultural spine, elegantly made and winningly acted by Tom Hanks in his first outing since his Oscar-winning Philadelphia performance. Robert Zemeckis's technically dazzling new film is also shrewdly packaged to hit baby boomers where they live. And it was technically dazzling. I'll agree with that. Yeah, it was in 1994, technically. I still think it, all those effects held up. When yeah, we can, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, I did want to get uh, a more negative view here from Owen Gleiberman in Entertainment Weekly, who says, uh, Forrest Gump is at once a fable of American innocence and perseverance and a technically amazing pop stunt. It is also glib, shallow, and monotonous a movie that spends so much time sanctifying its hero that despite his, quote, innocence, he ends up seeming about as vulnerable as Superman. The movie reduces the tumult of the last few decades to a virtual reality theme park, a baby boomer version of Disney's America. And I'm kind of with him, honestly. That's yeah. interesting that they used virtual reality back in, uh, when did this come out? 1990. When did this come out, Dave? Yeah, yeah. What year is our whole <laughs> podcast about? That's our great producer, Dave Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, on fire. What movie were we talking about? Uh, Dave, <laughs> a virtual reality virtuoso who's <laughs> made of, a yeah. number of music videos uh, in virtual reality. I'm not a virtuoso of much of anything, quite frankly. Well, but... <laughs> I'm trying to compliment you here after insulting you. Yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a little odd that they use that. Uh, but he, of course, he, he uses it not really to reference the way we talk about virtual reality now, but he just means a virtual representation Putting of the bloom back on that rose, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, this did also get an A plus from Cinema Score, which is the audience polling service. And that's a really rare thing. That means everyone who saw this movie loved it. That's the people's choice, baby. <laughs> it was the people's <laughs> choice. Um, I did not like this movie when I saw it in 1994, and I still don't like it. When did you first see it? I also saw it in the theater with my brother and my parents back in the Jersey days. And I did like it back then. Yeah. So, um, I was worried going into it if I would still like it, but um, we will we will get to that. But. We will. Yeah, I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, I think I saw it on home video with a friend of mine. And uh, I remember, I think we, we were talking about this uh, at one point before, that there was this very uh, 
antagonistic relationship set up probably in the in the media between this movie and Pulp Fiction. Like you could only like one of them and they were pitted against each other. And I loved Pulp Fiction so much that I think going into this movie, I was like, oh, screw this movie. It's no Pulp Fiction. And and that kind of was how I felt. Well, it is no Pulp Fiction. Right. Because that would be really weird if he was a hitman in Los I Angeles. I would have you know? loved to see Forrest Gump teaming up with uh, with Jules and Vincent Vega. Maybe that would have been something different. That could, that could have been um, a crossover of some kind maybe this the, the uh, ill-fated sequel that had been talked about for years afterwards yes um so that's a bit of background on forrest gump is there any other uh tidbits that you found uh, you i mean mention? well yeah the uh soundtrack sold 12 billion copies which is pretty interesting because it's really just like a greatest hits you know compilation of uh american youth throughout the 60s and 70s i'd say right and i think that you what you said there is exactly the reason that it sold all I'm pretty sure my mom still has like the double CD uh, of the Forrest Gump soundtrack somewhere in her house. A um, few other quick things. Um, spent 42 weeks in the theaters, which today would be impossible. Right. Um, number one for 10 weeks um, is 78.5 million tickets sold in the U.S. alone. Pretty incredible. This movie was, yeah, I, I think we we forget how popular this movie was in addition to just being, you know, a, 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 an award winner. Right. And then we talked about that with The Lion King. Like, these two were both omnipresent. They were everywhere and yes. everything. And, you know. And Forrest Gump as, like, a pop culture figure was right. everywhere. And his dumb catchphrases and his accent and all of that was all over the place. Lots of, I'm sure there were a bunch of Saturday Night Live sketches and things like that. Uh, which I totally did not look up, but um, it it was it was all over pop culture. It was it was, and I think uh, you have already let the audience know with some foreshadowing how you <laughs> felt about it. But. Yes, uh, but we can talk more about our general feeling and analysis of Forrest Gump when we come back. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year and our debut season on the films of 1994. You hear that, Dave? 1994. <laughs> Loud and clear. In this episode, we're talking about the best picture winner, Forrest Gump. I hate this movie. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right out in front. I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did find one quote that I wrote down from you from the Palo Alto Weekly. From okay, yes. Mark Vincente. Gump is a pitiful stooge taking the pie of life in the face, thoughtfully licking his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> is that a positive or a negative review? I'm not even sure. I just thought it would uh, fit it. I knew you going in, you were not going to enjoy this one. Yeah. I See, like I said, I saw it in 1994 and I didn't like it then. But I do remember having this attitude of like a sort of a chip on my shoulder going in like, oh, I can't possibly like this movie because it's trying to, it's going to get Pulp Fiction or whatever. And I love Pulp Fiction so much. And so going in this time, I thought, okay, I, you know, that feeling has faded, obviously. Yeah. Those um, two films have made peace with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. There's not, they're not being pitted against each other at every awards show or in, in different articles or whatever. I could like both of them if I, if I do. And I just, from, I think the first minute of this movie i was like oh wait no i fucking hate it <laughs> you are uh dave maybe we have to put the explicit language I warning be, on you know, I'm, I'm sorry for my forceful uh 
I'm not used to this as a guy from Jersey. No, I'm usually the one with such Jersey. language. But, uh, I, uh, I'll say this. First 15 minutes, I was really worried uh, this time around. I have not seen it since I saw it in the theater. And I was, as far as I remember anyway, I was really worried because it is very sentimental and oh, yes. you know, and everything. And um, but it grew on me and I liked it. I still like it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Which is probably good for the podcast. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> good for us to have a, a disagreement, a lively discussion. But yeah, and I, you know, things in this movie that I thought I like, like I like Tom Hanks. Man, did I not like Tom Hanks in this movie? Forrest is annoying as hell. Uh, he does talk a lot about himself, doesn't he? He does. That was the first thing. That was what I was saying in the first minute. Like he's sitting on the bench and this poor lady is minding her own business, reading a magazine. He just starts telling her his entire life story. And I was thinking like Forrest is like an example of what we talk about now as like, you know, mansplaining or something where women are trying to mind their own business on public transportation and men invade their space and just start talking. He talked to men too. He did later in the movie, yes. So, yes. I mean, I don't think there was any type of misogyny. No, to, no, no. To That's his just what, ego. What, what came to mind. But yeah, it's his ego that he does talk and like multiple people come and go at the bus stop and just whoever's there he just starts talking and later on it's like the middle of the story and he's just they're like who are you who's bubba who's jenny where are we in this story and he's just babbling on and on about his life right if you had come in the middle and they'd be like and then bubba died like wait a second who are you talking about that was my forest gump everybody that was i feel like just as good as tom hanks's forest gump. <laughs> that is an insult to tom hanks my friend and it, yeah it is and i like i love tom hanks tom hanks is great he's a very good actor a beloved human being and i just could not stand american treasure he is absolutely i will agree with you on all of those points but i just i could not stand the like sing-songy way that he talks in this movie and the the inconsistent characterization of forrest gump who is i think like was mentioned in in, in some of those reviews he's that kind of character who's dumb except when the movie needs him to be insightful and he never feels remotely real. Do you, what did you like about the movie? Nothing. Really? <laughs> the it had good music? Come on, man. I mean, like, yes, but as you were saying, the soundtrack is just the greatest hits of the last 30 years. Like, how hard is that? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in a way it's not hard, but maybe this strived to do it uh, a little more... Fully? <laughs> Come on, you like what what did you like about it? I well, I I you know what? I it, look after the first 15 Robin Wright Penn is very good at the movie. So no, nothing. She, I mean, that? Jenny is not a character. She's just a, a blank slate for Forrest to project and for the mm -hmm. movie to project cliches of each era onto her. I am not gonna win this one. So I thought it had a lot of iconic moments, like when they meet back up at the uh anti-war rally in um uh, outside of the Washington Monument, right? That happened. That was a thing. <laughs> that did yeah. happen, yes. <laughs> so uh, that was a big thing. I thought it was very well shot. You got to admit that it was well shot. I mean, sure, but like, so are lots of movies. Well, I'm trying to. It wasn't even Oscar nominated for its cinematography. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> was nominated for everything else. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's perfectly well shot. I mean, it's a it's a large budget Hollywood movie. It's it's not you know, there's no boom mics in the frame or whatever. <laughs> so you didn't even like the special effects where Forrest Gump is now 
uh, inserted into real footage with John F. Kennedy or Lyndon Johnson, any of that stuff. No, I mean, I think technical te- wizardry. Technic- yeah, at the time, yeah. yes, that was like an incredibly impressive thing that no one had really been able to do. I feel like now we've gotten used to that sort of thing and looking at it, you can see the seams a little more. Um, but but more than that, like it's annoying and it doesn't serve a useful purpose it just turns all of history into this like dumb joke he's whimsical he's got whimsy and fun and you know and going back to the uh the rally sequence i thought that was cool when i was reading about how they did that they had 1500 extras and they just kept moving them around from place to place and then he um what he did was make it look like hundreds of thousands of extras based on you know technical mapping and everything like that so i like that i mean i don't know i don't it worked for me i don't know why i wanted i was just i was worried about it but i was like yeah this is fun i'm with it i'm good with this so i mean it wasn't my favorite movie of that year but um you know maybe the journey i went with forrest gump on that journey from uh the small town in alabama to the university of alabama to vietnam to uh, being a world-class ping-pong player, to New York City with Lieutenant Dan. Hey, Gary Sinise is very good. Okay, I will give you that. Gary Sinise is good in this movie. You got him. That is the best. <laughs> that is probably the best performance. He's the one who feels like he gets some depth to that character. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. And I, I think, like you know, uh, as Lieutenant Dan, um, there's a sequence where he talks about how every um, a member of his family has died in the battlefield in every American war. And that is what he thought his destiny was, you know, and, um, and then Forrest Gump saves him, you know, and whatnot. So he's got this real bitterness that he didn't get to die the way he thought he was supposed to. And his story comes more full circle, I'd say, than any other character in there of, you know, having to accept his fate and uh, who he becomes and everything. Yeah, I think so. I feel like Forrest as a character never develops. He's exactly the same throughout the movie. And Jenny isn't really... What did you want him to develop as? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to tell them how to make the movie. I can only say what my reaction to the movie is. Well, let's... Okay, let's be honest here, right? This is about a man... I was going to be dishonest, (laughs) but all right. With a um, uh, mental IQ of 75, right? Yeah. So he's borderline... Uh, mentally retarded, correct? Is that is that correct? Mentally challenged. Mentally challenged. Say. Yeah, we did use that word. Ebert used that word, but we probably right. wouldn't want to use we, it now. We, we don't want to. Yes. yes. But uh, I mean, you know, if you're looking back at something like Rain Man, you know, with another uh, mentally challenged person, different type of mentally challenged, do you think Rain Man has an arc? I mean, I've never seen Rain Man, actually. Well, you're <laughs> really exposing yourself now. Maybe it was a 98. I don't know, whatever, whatever year it was. So. But I did see comparisons to Rain Man in some of the reviews that I was looking at. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, that Forrest Gump needs to have, like, uh, the same journey that Lieutenant Dan has. But just because he's mentally challenged doesn't mean, I mean, this whole movie is about how he shouldn't be underestimated and that he's got a, an emotional inner life just like anyone else does. And yet those emotions never really change. He doesn't seem affected by any of his experiences. I mean, he's affected by people, right? He's always happy to see Lieutenant Dan, no matter what the circumstances. He's always kind of longing for Jenny. And he even, you know, asks her why she doesn't love him. And he... He says, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. 
one of the many catchphrases that oh my god the catchphrases so i wrote them all down for you um (laughs) and then you know and then in the end i think he does change in that all of his energy goes towards taking care of jenny and then his kid little forest so you know it's it becomes less about himself and more about taking care of but uh, i mean was baby Haley joel osmond yes joel osmond that was nice to see him um, who was cast off of a Pizza Hut commercial. Oh, all right. Yeah. I did not know that. I would have preferred to watch that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the key there is you're saying he, he, he always loves Jenny. He's always happy to see Lieutenant Dan. He just has the same reactions to everything. Lieutenant the Dan? Yeah, you <laughs> ain't got one. no legs. <laughs> hey, um, that was impressive uh, technical yes, wizardry that was too. that was more impressive. That, that I think holds up a lot better than the insertion of him into the historical footage is that the the way that they erase uh, Gary Sinise's legs that always looks really good. Um, yeah. What about Sally Field? I thought she did a nice job as the mother. I mean, sure, but another character who doesn't have very much to her except to be saintly and for Forrest to look up to. And yeah, of course, Sally Field is a great actress. I'm just not going to win this one with you. <laughs> I get it. You didn't like it, so yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a bet. You don't need to win me over. Uh, I mean, you liked it, and uh, we have different perspectives. Well, on well, it. let's play a little game. Can we play a game? Oh, good. Okay, so uh, when researching the film, I don't know if you saw this, but there were other directors, actors, and actresses that were considered for everything. Right? right, right. I mean, I didn't, I didn't note those down, but I did see that that was something that happened. Okay, so let us recast this <laughs> film with some of these people. The only person I saw as Lieutenant Dan. Which we're going to leave is Gary Sinise. We Gary like Sinise him. is good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, Joe Pesci was considered? Oh uh, no, role. Sinise mm. is better. Yeah. I think. I think so. I think Pesci would have been too hard edged. You know, New yeah, York gangster. Yeah, everything. that's not right for um, it. Okay, so for Bubba, the other names uh, were David Allen Greer, Ice Cube, and Dave Chappelle. Those are that's a weird list of people. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think Michael that, T. Williams did good. I mean, did well, yeah, he yeah. did. He did fine again for what the character is. I think in a lot of cases, it's not even the actor's fault per se. It's just that the way that these characters are conceived and written. Well, you have to choose one because we're remaking the film. Okay, Josh. no, I would, I would stick with Michael T. Williamson. Although, I mean, maybe if you could cast Dave Chappelle, you could have gotten something improvisationally that would have added to the part. But I don't know. I thought Michael T. Williamson did very. Uh, did very well with what he was given yeah you know so and yeah his uh his jokes hit in a way that were natural you know what i mean like he wasn't telling jokes right they were situational and um as bubba uh the shrimp the shrimp lover right so you know right okay so uh so far uh this movie's not coming together well but here <laughs> as jenny you can choose nicole kidman demi moore or jodie foster you know what? I would have been interested to see what Jodie Foster did with it because she would have brought maybe a, a sort of harder edge to that role. And you didn't you didn't care for Robin Wright? No, I mean, again, the point isn't that these actors did a bad job. It's that what they're given is just so little to work with. And I'm going to take Demi Moore because I think that's the most, uh, the strangest casting choice I could make there. So <laughs> did you, you know, and then, you know, when I'm reading about this, this is a little aside there. Mm-hmm. Did, did you get that Jenny was a prostitute? I didn't really feel like that. Was she a prostitute? She was a stripper at right. one point. Right. I didn't feel like she came across as a prostitute, but in the reading I was doing, they were talking about how she fell into a life of prostitution. I don't know. I mean, there's that one scene where she gets that guy to 
give her a ride or whatever, but I didn't think she, she was just literally trying to get a ride yeah. to get away from Forrest. Maybe it's clearer in the novel. I don't know. So. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of different stuff in the novel. Yes. He becomes an astronaut and a pro wrestler in the novel. I right. And, uh, and you talk about uh, different casting. I don't know if he was considered, but apparently Winston Groom, the author of the novel, envisioned Forrest as being played by John Goodman. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. The other ones that I had uh, looked up, John Travolta in uh, 94. That so, would have been, you know. yeah, but you can see movies where John Travolta plays these kinds of characters and yeah. he just does a <laughs> terrible job. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Michael, he was the angel. Phenomenon. Was Phenomenon, one, yeah. yeah, where he gets the magical powers. Bill Murray. That would have been interesting. Yeah, that yeah. would have been interesting yeah. to see what yeah. he does. Chevy Chase. Oh, no. And Sean Penn, who, you know, did the... He, yeah, I Am Sam later on. Didn't Did he win for that one? He was great in that Maybe. movie. I've never I seen that Sam either. I Am Sam was good. Yeah. So, um, um, no, see, I would have loved... If, if this movie had starred, like, Bill Murray and Dave Chappelle, it would have been so different. And, and the two directors who turned it down were Terry Gilliam and Barry Sonnenfeld. So... Yeah. You, I, you had Terry Gilliam's Forrest Gump with Bill Murray, Murray and Dave Chappelle. Dave that would have been great. Yeah, yeah that could have been uh, something... So I'm trying to, you know, get you the to rights to remake give, this. Yeah. You know. So, so what you're saying is, if this was a completely different movie, <laughs> I might have liked. You it. might have. I I liked it fine. You know. So. Right. Would you accept Joe Pesci then if you got the rest of the package there? I mean, I just feel like leave it alone. We don't. We didn't need this to begin with. I just want to say that I never until this moment have wanted a movie with Joe Pesci and Ice Cube. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great cast. Um. You know, we mentioned Winston Groom, the guy who uh, wrote the novel. Did you realize none of the people in the Oscar speeches thanked him? I saw that, yeah, and he got paid like some very small amount uh, for the rights compared to what this movie made. Right, but then he, you know, settled with them. They gave him a lot of money for the sequel. They were going to make a sequel. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I voted that down for for our legacy talk. But yeah, Ooh. there and there is a sequel novel uh, that Winston Groom wrote. Right. Maybe we should come back and talk about All right, legacy. let's do that. We'll come back and talk about the legacy of Forrest Gump. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In our season on the movies of 1994, we are talking about the Best Picture winner, Forrest Gump. Josh does not like it. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Don't. But we can transition or, or pivot from my dislike of Forrest Gump and uh, and talk about the legacy of this movie. And we were just talking about uh, Winston Groom and his uh, sequel that he wrote. Yeah, and did you? I read about the sequel. Did you read about it at all? I mean, I didn't read like the plot details of it. I saw that he wrote it. It was a number of years later, I think, that he wrote the sequel. Oh, it would have been horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, um, they lose all their money. I've heard they lose the Bubba Gum Shripping company which part of the legacy is yes that is that restaurant yes. over yes. 30 restaurants in real life of it um which i'm sure is the applebee's of shrimp restaurants i so, think that yeah. is absolutely right yeah. yeah so they lose the money so basically it's an excuse for him to go back on adventures again um and his kid is growing up and like trying to help him and he's trying to help the kid but meanwhile like he and lieutenant dan um they find out that you know forrest gump was let out of the military early which wouldn't make any sense because he was shot and he would have gotten out anyway, you know? So, right. so he has to go back into service 
and he and Lieutenant Dan go to uh, like I think Iraq probably in ninety one. Lieutenant Dan in the military too, even though he has no legs. Yeah, they go back and well, he's got the fake legs now. So. Oh right, but still. And he, I think Lieutenant Dan dies on the battlefield. Oh, just like he wanted all this stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, uh, Jenny appears to him as a, a ghost in multiple mm. places. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He marries a German woman uh, at some point in time, and. Um, yeah, he gets caught up in all those politics again. So. Right, of course. So, you know, they said in the first book that uh, they made him uh, nicer in the movie than he was in the book. And one of the big switches was, hey, we're not making him as not. Uh, we're making him nicer in the movie. And it's become a love story first and an adventure story second. But I wonder if they had made the sequel that I think they would have had to focus more on the adventures since you can't have another swooping epic right right i don't know if people would have wanted to see forrest fall in love with the german lady after they had such attachment to his love for jenny but one thing i did read about the book and now that i recall is that in the book in the sequel book forrest is dealing with the fact that they made a movie about his life right yeah that's where it starts yeah it's just something like don't ever let anyone make a movie about your life. See, and I can totally envision Forrest Gump 2 starring Tom Hanks and him saying that. Who's going to say run, Forrest, run in this one? Literally anyone. But, you know, um, uh, after 9-11, they all said that uh, the times had changed. and that They don't want to no... insert Forrest Gump into footage of the towers <laughs> running, coming down. Running and saving people. That's pretty dark, man. Yeah, I mean, so. but seriously, is it all that different from what they actually did? Well, Vietnam is... Right, uh, Vietnam. You know, a fun, uh, good time no, that yeah. everyone had in the right. 70s. And, so. Hey, but they are remaking this movie. Did you know that? In India. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. Is that actually happening? Or I saw that seems like one of those wikipedia things that it says like this is set to happen and somebody wrote that like 10 years ago it's uh it's called leal singh chada and if any of you are fans of uh amir khan uh the uh actor not the boxer and the director Advayat uh, Chandan, please let us know if this is i think amir khan is a big uh star in india i've heard that name before yeah yeah um but yeah, and they were, I think they were trying to make the movie sequel for a while. Uh, uh, Eric Roth, is that his name? This, the screenwriter had written a, a script. Yeah. But I mean, I would imagine that it probably followed on the tone of the original rather than adapting specifically right. everything. And they, from and they said the that, uh, you know, they relooked at it in 2007. I'm, I don't think it needs a sequel, but no. I want to say uh, Eric Roth, man. Dude, that dude had a run in the 90s yeah. and the 2000s. Forrest Gump, The Insider, Munich, Benjamin Button, and last year, A Star is Born. So, Oh, yeah. Those are all better movies than this. A <laughs> uh, few other uh, fun facts about Eric Roth. Fun he, facts? He writes in, in DOS, and he hands in like, scripts on DOS paper. You all know, right. Like, like with a dot matrix printer? Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. He co-created The Heights. How do you talk to oh, an angel? Oh man, I like that song. Yeah, uh, and uh, he was scammed by Birdie Madoff. Not that fun. No, no, but those are all facts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company because I think that's one of the more absurd legacies of this movie, and just exemplifies how it's been turned into this silly, sanitized commodity in the way it makes history into a. a an amusement park. Yeah, it, it is the Disney of movies. Yeah. As opposed to Disney. Disney, movies. which is the Disney of movies. Yeah. Uh, and, and Tom Hanks, too, who, like I said, I like Tom Hanks quite a lot. 
He won his Oscar uh, for this movie. And as one of those reviews noted, he had previously in the year before won an Oscar for Philadelphia. So he won these back-to-back Oscars. And this really, I think, cemented him, not that he wasn't a big star already, but this movie really cemented him as this guy who always wins Oscars and this sort of like America's dad persona that he has. And I still like Tom Hanks. And I, I do too. Uh, did he win a third? Probably. For Saving Private Ryan? Maybe. Sounds Dave? about right. Yeah. How about know. it? He's, I mean, if he didn't win for that, he was definitely would have been nominated. And I think he's been nominated like for a five number. Times, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. And, yeah. And people expect now if Tom Hanks is in a movie, oh, this is a movie that's going to get Oscar nominations. Yeah. So. I mean, you are, I like kind of, I would love to go back and watch road to perdition again, where he's playing like a gangster, and right? Something totally different. And I mean, even Apollo 13 was a kind of a different role for him. To yeah. Take that is a great movie. That is a really good historical film starring Tom Hanks. That was crowd pleasing. Um, well then how did you feel about splash? I've never seen Splash. <laughs> okay. He only did win those two, by the way. Oh, okay. Nominated a bunch more. Too. Loser. Yeah. Lo- yes. Back-to-back Oscars. Way to go, Hanks. Nothing, yeah. yeah. Um, what, uh, the special effects, I think... Big deal. Yeah, they were a huge deal. And even though, for me, they look a little shaky now, certainly the idea of combining new footage with archival footage is something that this movie pioneered and that we see a lot now. Huge in comedy. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a, that was a big thing. Uh, I think the soundtrack had a lot of influence on other soundtracks going forward. Yeah. I noticed that when, when, when they go to Vietnam and it starts playing Credence Clearwater, Son, yeah. And that's Vietnam such song. a cliche now. Yeah. Everyone uh, plays that song for weird. Like that's the anti-war song. And it's like, you know, you, some folks are born made to wave the flag. And yeah. they'll be like, Brett Favre for Wrangler <laughs> jeans. And you're like, what? <laughs> I don't understand what's happening here. But I thought it was effective in this film. But yeah. I agree with you. It has become like uh, an overdone, you know, uh, trope. And right, right. And I, I guess that was the thing is watching this movie and all I think of is, oh, that's so that's so overdone. But maybe it wasn't at the time that this was made. Yeah. Um, and also uh, kind of related to that stuff, the Vietnam stuff, that maybe not as much when the movie first came out, but in, in years since, this movie has been interpreted as a conservative, like rallying cry by yeah, a lot of people. I know. I, and that's just so, um, I just think that's such a basic shallow viewpoint of, and if you had said it in any other way, any, I don't think they talk about much politics at all in this one, you know? So, well, I think the point is that is, is that they don't talk about politics is that this movie presents America as, as this sort of like, a theme park kind of thing like we mentioned that it's this rosy view of everything and i never understood you know it's even probably we got to go back to the good old days like when when segregation was around what good old days are you talking about right right maniacs but and i agree with you but i mean i think that that you could look at i don't think that anyone involved in the making of this movie meant for it to be a conservative statement but i do think that you can look at it and take something from it that would support that viewpoint Get over yourselves. <laughs> um, but it's certainly something that has been a big part of the legacy, whether we agree with it or not. Well, I think, you know, the other parts of the legacies are these iconic moments of him carrying Bubba or Lieutenant Dan out of the jungle and you see the explosion behind him. And we mentioned the Jenny reunion at the uh, at the Washington Monument, just iconic shots of him running across the country 
things like that. And then, of course, all the catchphrases that were ubiquitous, you know, stupid is as stupid does, you know, life is like a box of chocolates. People were saying that stuff for years and everything. Yeah, yeah. The catchphrases, I think I had forgotten how many of them there, there were. There were a lot. And how pre- this movie is like the Borat of its time in terms of catchphrases. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> Life was like a box of chocolates. Me and Jenny go together like peas and carrots. Oh my God, he said that like five times during the movie. Mama always said stupid is stupid does. He's going to do every one of them, isn't he? And that is all I have to say okay. about that. Well, thank you. Is that it? Is that all you have to say about that? Yeah, I, I went through them all at okay. some point. You saved that one for the last one. It makes sense. That's good. Yeah, I, and, and I, I realize it maybe isn't this movie's fault, but it felt to me like they're trying to turn those into catchphrases, into things that you want to put on a bumper sticker. Maybe two or three, but I think the movie became so prevalent and so popular and so beloved that some of them just caught on on their own. Yeah, I suppose. And and then and that is something maybe I, I was so irritated by this movie that I just like with the music, you know, I started to maybe blame it for things that aren't really that are the fault of the larger culture that came afterwards. Man, you got to move on with your life. <laughs> I will say of all the movies we talked about in this season, this was by far the one I liked the least. And that makes me like it just a little bit more. <laughs> I think we forgot to rate it earlier. So do you want to rate it out yeah. of five well, I'll uh, let you... severed Lieutenant Dan legs? <laughs> yeah. five, five, five severed legs. Well, I'll give it, uh, I'm going to give it four severed legs. That's, right. you know, two full legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it one and a half severed legs out of five. I like that you could have easily went with Bubba Gump shrimp, but oh, you yeah. went with the darker way. Yeah. So that's I good. will say knowing that Josh hated it and it was two hours and 24 minutes brings me great joy. So. <laughs> uh, well, I've watched many, many, many long movies that I hate. So uh, I can do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> You might have to. Yeah. Uh, So that is Forrest Gump, the best picture winner of 1994. And that's this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Find us on social media. Social media. We are on awesomemovieyear.com, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram, Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. I'm at Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook and Instagram, J Harris Comedy on Twitter, and goforjason.com. Yes. Uh, you can find me at joshbellhateseverything.com, on Facebook at joshbellhateseverything, and on Twitter at SignalBleed. And our producer, David Rosen, has his great Piecing It Together podcast. You can find Piecing It Together on Twitter at PiecingPod, and on Facebook, Piecing It Together, and check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Jason, what are we talking about next time? Next week, we have a very special rewatch of Forrest Gump. <laughs> just We get to watch the movie along with Josh uh, in real time and just hear him complain for two hours and 24 minutes. Put that on the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, next week, we are doing a cult classic. And we went through a lot of different choices. And uh, we found what we consider to be an obscure cult classic, which is... Uh, tough because on the one hand it's got to be obscure but on the other hand it's got to have a cult following you yes, see yeah. it's diametrically opposed right it is an italian film called della morte dell'amore aka cemetery man and i think that'll be another interesting one to talk about so tune in next time for cemetery man and thank you for listening to awesome movie year you should close by saying and that is all i have to say about that <laughs> Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. 
Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west. <laughs>